I really just want somebody who's going to aggressively fight for me in court. Is that too much to ask? Filing an eviction should not be complicated. There's got to be an easier way. Nothing frustrates me more than having to wait for my attorney to call me back. I need them now. What I really need from my law firm is someone who can provide my staff training so we actually can stay out of trouble. When you have property management problems, we have your solutions. This is the Zona Law Group podcast with the experienced attorneys from Zona Law. And we are back here today. I am Mark Zinman doing the Zona Law podcast with... Matt Kogelmeyer with Zona Law. Happy to be here. The esteemed Matt Kogelmeyer. We are here today. Today is March 29th. And if you can figure that out, that means it is a Sunday and we are here doing a law podcast. It'll actually be published tomorrow on Monday out for our clients, but there's an incredible amount of things going on right now that we had to touch on. You may not remember this, the way we finished last time doing uh, the podcast on Governor Ducey's uh, statement, we're like, this is continually changing. It could be next week will come and you're like, you made the comment and you're like, well, the way Raider things are changing right now, we could be back in here tomorrow. Well, you know, sometimes uh, I don't claim to be a prophet, but the way things are going, you don't have to be that smart to figure that one out. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened here on Friday the federal $2.2 trillion stimulus was packed and that passed. And that's known as the CARES Act now. It's the Coronavirus Aid Relief Economic Securities Act. So there is a lot to digest there besides just the, the acronym. But before we get into that, what I'd like to do is kind of do an overview here for our clients, for our viewers on federal rights versus state rights. And that'll kind of tee up the rest of the discussion on the CARES Act. Yeah, this is something that is often confused between people. Why can't the federal government just come in and say, this is the process that's going to take place? State has the right to dictate the process, let's say, for evictions, uh, the basis for evictions. But when there is a federal question involved, when it touches on federal law, then the feds can also make some determination on what needs to be done. For example, if it violates the Federal Controlled Substances Act, uh, we all have crime-free addendums on properties, and that oftentimes touches on that act. Uh, for example, possession of marijuana. It may be legal under state law, but not legal under federal law. And federal law will trump state law when it, when it comes to those issues. So even if a state says, hey, it's legal here, the federal government can say it's illegal under federal law, and we would still have a basis to evict under state law. And so we all remember that from, you know, fourth grade when we started to learn the Constitution where things like go between interstate commerce and how things should, certain issues you want consistent across the country, right? Correct. Like controlled substance, like drugs. But the eviction process, landlord-tenant, are different state versus state, right? They are. And when it touches then, the federal government figures out a way where that touches the federal law or the federal cause then they can intervene and they can set some rules, which they've done in this case. Yeah. So generally, though, we've talked, everything we've looked at, analyzed so far has always been what's going on in the states. So we have a Landlord-Tenant Act here in Arizona, which by all accounts is very different than they would have in New York, for example, right? Absolutely. Okay. And so we have always looked at how is this, how is COVID-19 affecting our rights as landlords, our clients' rights to do evictions, interactions with their tenants. And I'm assuming that was always different than how it's being done in New York. It is, and it's different in California, it's different in Utah, it's different in every state in the country. And as we discussed last week, we have the state law or the state executive order now that Governor Ducey put out last week, where it basically says, 
Listen, on non-payment of rent cases, you're going to have to wait 120 days in order to get a writ of restitution. You know, that's something that Governor Ducey did, and now we're seeing an expansion of that with the CARE Act. All right, and so the CARE Act, let's talk about that. It was signed into law by President Trump on Friday, and what nobody really expected, which came in at the last minute actually, was almost a preemption of the states as well. Is it saying that there actually is 120 days where landlords can't file eviction for non-payment of rent, correct? Right, and we got that act, and everyone started looking through it, and I think you were the first one to come up with a, the uh, issues that we're going to talk about today on page roughly 562 of the act. If, what is it, 800 pages? It's 880 pages, and in 560, it then starts talking about the issues we're going to touch on here today. Right, and bless you for reading all of those <laughs> pages. But when we started talking on Friday, you would pointed out that there was some significant issues relating to the eviction process. Yeah, and so what it says is if you have a federally backed mortgage or in any way your mortgage loan on the property, if it's federally insured, you as a landlord cannot do an eviction. You can't even file an eviction for 120 days from the effective date, which was this past Friday, two days ago. Exactly. So, that's, a, that's a significant uh, issue in this new law that's passed. It also includes... Obviously, HUD properties, VA properties. It could it uh, would include uh, USDA properties. So any property that's involved in some sort of like Section Eight, anything under the feds whatsoever, as a program on property for the residents, but also those properties that have gone to the feds, federal government for funding in the first place, right? If you have Correct. a Fannie Mae loan, uh, Freddie Mac, anything like that, also you are now fall under this ban of 120 days. Right. Anything where it's been, they call, securitized by the federal government, which is Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans and things. And that is involving, that will involve a significant percentage of multifamily properties. Yeah. And what I've heard from clients so far, well, I've read numerous articles on it. Anywhere it's like, they estimate it's between 40 to 60% of all um, properties would be affected by that, that would be somehow touched by the federal government. And I'm seeing the same anecdotally from my clients as well. Just the ones I'm talking to, it's somewhere around 50-50. They do have those type of loans. They are affected by those programs. Or it has nothing to do with them. They've got a private bank. Fed's never touched it. And therefore, they can proceed. Um, The question is, I guess, so the way we teed this up today, of course, is talking about federal rights for state rights. So how, if this is all landlord-tenant, it's evictions, how did the federal government even get involved? How did it become part of the CARES Act? Well, obviously, I think it it goes without saying, the federal government, along with the state government, are concerned about people being dispossessed of their homes, put out into the public, and perhaps, obviously, spreading the coronavirus further. Uh, They want to put a halt on that. They also understand that this is affecting people financially in every facet of life. Some people are losing jobs. Some jobs are being minimized. They're not working as much. Their income is going down. And really what they have said in the act is they passed this in order to try to prevent financial collapse in the United States. So they've had to do something, and not often do you get an act of this proportion passed in such a fast period of time. We all know the urgency of this. So when it comes to, you know, well, how can the federal government do this? It's just that. It touches on all of those federal issues. It allows them the door to be open to be able to say, this is what we're going to put a halt to. So not only it'll help stop the virus, but it will also help people in, in certain situations and the relief that they need. But again, it's a chain reaction. It's affecting not only those residents that are living in rental properties, 
It's affecting the multi-housing property owners down to their employees, everyone from, from top to bottom. Correct, but it would usually be a state right issue, correct? Like this, all the landlord-tenant acts like we're talking about are controlled state by state by state. Whereas here, they say, that's fine, you can have your state rights, but if you voluntarily come to the federal government for insurance, for the loan up front, now you're within our realm, we can control what you do. It's a voluntarily, you opted in, therefore now you're required to comply with this 120 days that we're putting out there. Exactly, and you said it much more astutely. If you pick up one end of the stick, which is the federal federal government helping you, you pick up the other end of the stick, which is the federal government being able to issue some controls over what you do. Oh, that's actually, I love that actually. That's an excellent way of doing it. So if you have a private loan with just a bank or maybe you've paid off your property as well, you're not picking up that stick. That's right. You can play by the same rules you ever would, um, which of course then you fall back under uh, Governor Ducey's order, executive order controlling that you can't do a writ for 120 days, but you can still file the cases. Exactly. You can process them, but you have to wait 120 days to obtain the writ, which means you wait 120 days to obtain possession of that property. Yeah, but those are two very different things to me, I think, because under the under the CARES Act now, we have, first off, you can't file evictions for non-payment of rent, right? You just can't even file them. Exactly. You can't file them, and it, and it seems to go a little bit further than that. You can't even issue a notice. And under a different section as well, you can't charge late fees for the non-payment of rent. Exactly. No late fees, no penalties. You just have to let them go and... Pick it up at the end of 120 days. And that's under the if you're under one of those federal programs. Correct. correct. That's the 40 to 60% that you referenced. Yeah. And for those that don't fall under that, that are still in Arizona, you'd fall under the Ducey rule, which is under the executive order, which is what? Well, you can file, but you have to wait 120 days in order to obtain your writ. And I think, I mean, personally to me, I think that's obviously much more beneficial to landlords because if you can serve the notice, if you can file the eviction, it really motivates the tenants to pay. Exactly. There's a lot of tenants right now that we've seen with our clients in Zona that are reading all of this as if we do not have to pay rent. And in fact, we've had some of our clients uh, uh, say, hey, our tenants want to uh, have us participate because if their work has been reduced 50%, they want us to reduce rent by 50%. And that actually is, is a misunderstanding by tenants. And it actually goes against what Governor Ducey said in his executive order that notwithstanding anything that's in that order, the tenant will still owe the responsibilities under the lease. And at the end of the day, the tenant will owe what they owe pursuant to the lease, with the exception of those charges we talked about, late fees and things of that nature. Yeah. And that brings up a great point, though. Another issue that a lot of our clients at Zona are bringing up is the, hey, we've closed the gym because it was suggested it's you know, there's a lot of risk of the exchange of the coronavirus there. We're going to shut it down. The amount of client calls we're getting about tenants complaining that they want a reduction in their rent, what is your suggestion to our clients? My suggestion is to very kindly tell the resident that it's unfortunate that we've had to do that. It wasn't done at the negligence or the intentional conduct of the landlord, and there will be no concessions given because those services are not available. In reality, closing those down help the tenant mitigate damages. It lessens the their, risk. Lessens the risk, and really, closing down of those amenities do not reduce overhead. They do not make the landlord any more money. We're all in this together. We need to suffer through it together. It's just something we all have to deal with. Well, that's why I always say, you know, in any situation, there'll be those people that try and abuse it. 
um, and take advantage of whatever's going on. Sure. And as soon as we see tenants complaining, oh, I want X amount off of my rent because the gym is closed and we're always to clients like, wait, 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 you're doing that for the residents benefits to stop the spread, to flatten the curve. So we don't have this medical problem going across the country. Um, so coming back, another thing on the CARES Act, like we were saying, so you have the federal side, which is the CARES Act, Governor Ducey's executive order under the CARES Act. It's 120 days. You can't file your evictions. You cannot file, and you cannot serve a notice for non-payment of rent or for other charges. And you can't do the late fees either. Correct. Okay. Um, so really, for our clients, then, the first thing is to figure out is if they're covered by that, right? Right. They need to either know what kind of a loan they have, or if they don't know, they need to call their lender, and they need to get some exact information on whether or not that touches on the federal issues that we've discussed. Yeah. And we're going to be asking the same thing. We're going to be working through. So now, a lot of times as a state, you figure out policies that affect everybody, right? But now you're almost going to have to go property by property to figure out what the loan is, to figure out if there's federal insurance or anything else that may impact that. And it's really going to be a lot more work to figure out all of those things. Well, exactly. Because you and I both know property management companies sometimes manage on behalf of many different owners, every owner is going to obtain their own financing in their own way. So everyone could be different. So yes, you have to go on a case-by-case basis. And one last thing, if we didn't say it before, the the CARES Act, addressing that 120-day period where you can't file the eviction, that doesn't apply to non-compliances and um, immediates, correct? Correct. They have an immediate, they have a non-compliance of noise or perhaps... Uh, failure to maintain their property. Those types of things would not apply. Yeah, and it seems also, I don't think the law addresses non-renewals either. So theoretically, you could non-renew under the CARES Act, but then you default back, of course, to Ducey's order, and you probably can't under that either. And you can file the case, but you couldn't non-renew somebody and then execute the writ on that. Right, and that's going to be a really interesting point on how many non-renewals we're really going to see out there. I think that's going to be a very small percentage. And what I've heard from our clients at Zona is that many of the residents who have given their 30-day notice intending to move out have now called up and said, hey, can we change that? We'd like to stay. Well, yeah, because at least the home they know, they don't have to worry about you know exposure within that unit. They're comfortable there. And I think you're entirely right. You're going to see a lot less transient movement from apartment to apartment or even across state lines as well. It'll slow down people and keep people where they are. Well, that kind of tells me that tenants get it. Yeah. They're understanding the risk, and and they're doing the thing that's smart. Yeah. So I'm going to switch subjects for us a little bit as a final wrap-up here um, regarding essential services. The question, of course, has always been, again, it's a state right to determine within each state what is an essential service. Governor Ducey entered an executive order saying, okay, cities can't preempt, and across the board in Arizona, these are essential services. Um, But it sounds like last week on uh, the 28th, of March, Governor, the federal come out, came out as well on their own policy, which of course was the Department of Homeland Security defining what is essential services. Now, to me, again, it's a state right issue, but they're coming in and giving suggested terms, right? So, what what did the Fed Correct. suggest? Well, the Fed suggested that actually property management companies, leasing agents, uh, are an essential service. And why do, why do you think they did that? People need housing. Even with the crisis going on, there are some people that are going to be transient, as you've identified. And they need to be able to find a place to live. They, we don't want them homeless. We don't want them out spreading the virus to other people and, and having that exposure to them and other people. So I think it's more of a, because it's already been declared a national emergency, I think that's something that addresses the issue and, and 
people just need to be able to find a home. Yeah, and so they're talking about the managing and leasing of units, but they also address the uh, maintenance as well, right? Because those are the Absolutely. people on site that are actually helping residents if you have a flood in a unit, if you have a fire, if there's damage, all of those things, you need the maintenance people on as well. Yeah, good point. So I don't think the the federal government doesn't necessarily have the end all be all say. It's more of a suggestion is, hey, all 50 states, these are the things you should look at and property managers really are essential for that purpose. And then ultimately be up to the each of the state to decide what they want to do. That's also consistent with Doug Ducey's um, uh, executive order last week where he identifies essential services. And one of those are property management, leasing, and so on. And it even goes so far as to say that legal services are essential services. Which is good, <laughs> good to hear, I guess. Um, but, yeah, that was interesting, the, the scope of that as well. That came, I think even golf courses, which is the one people are objecting to, became essential services. So that's interesting. There's a lot of people who would not argue with that. <laughs> so, like Matt said last time, things are changing by the minute, by the hour, by the day. We will continue to update our Zona clients, and we will see you next time here on the Zona Law Podcast. And Matt, as always, it's great to be here with you. Mark, great to be here with you. Thank you.